With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is David Smalley from Dogma Debate, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Uh, coming at you from rarely sunny Abbotsford, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and if you can't hear me, it's because I'm in parentheses. Joining me as usual is the team that figured out you never really learn to swear until you learn to drive. She bought some batteries, but they weren't included. Nancy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Without batteries, I'm just, I'm just lifeless sitting here. She wonders why phonetically isn't spelled an F, Teresa. Of course. <laughs> I thought it was. And he wonders that if you use a pricing gun in a robbery, is it really theft? Scott. It is. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> just reduce bargain. Somebody just used a water gun in a theft, and they called it theft. Ah, this wasn't meant to be taken literally, bud. <laughs> guys, welcome back. He's sick. Hope you guys had a good week. Oh, yeah, always have a good week one way or the other. Yeah. And well, we have this to look forward to. What could go wrong? We had this wonderful sun come out last week, and uh, this week it disappeared again. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. The rain caught up with us. So today we're going to have a great show. We're going to be talking to our old friend, Dr. Del Rey. He's a psych, uh, psychologist in the human sexuality. He's going to be talking to us about uh, recovery from religion and all the great work they're doing, and also about hypnotism in church. But first, a little bit of chit-chat. Did you guys hear that Manuel Noriega died? Who did? Manuel Noriega. Oh. Yeah. No, I didn't read that. Yeah, the uh, Panamanian uh, politician. He was the dictator of Panama from 83 to 89. He was also a major CIA source and a coke trafficker. He was captured by the U.S. during the invasion of Panama and sentenced to 40 years and died this week at the hospital of Santo Tomas on the 29th. Didn't he um, resist being um, arrested by the U.S. military and they surrounded his... Um, house or yeah, whatever they, it was, and played this oh, music yeah, day played, they in played, and day out. They played to rock get music him. for like thirty-six hours. Thirty-six hours straight. And this guy was always not a good dictator. He should have just thrown a party. Yeah, he had and, free DJ there. Where and he was held for a long time. Yeah. Oh yes, he was. And then he was he was kind of released and transferred and right. then ext, uh, extradited to other countries to face other charges. So he finally died uh, this past week. Hmm. I think there goes an era. Yeah, a uh, page of history in, is this term. dictators. Okay. Um, on the local level, uh, the B.C. election. Now, it turns out the uh, when we last spoke, 
they just had the election and the liberals had won the majority well not a majority of the seat but most of the seats but now it turns out the green and the ndp have decided to form an alliance you guys have any thoughts about what's going to happen with this turns it's out, going to be a mess you think so huh Oh, yeah, because uh, Christie's already said she's not giving up without a fight. So. Well, they're obviously going to have a, a vote of confidence into the exactly. house. And if they, uh, they stick together, then she's going to lose. One mistake on the Green Party's or the, or the NDP's uh, platform, mm-hmm. one mistake, and it's over. They, they lose. Well, it could be on either way, right? Yeah. Even if the Greens had decided to support the, uh, the Liberals, it would have been the same thing. Right, one mistake. So that'll be interesting. So it turns out that we'll probably see the uh, NDP form government when they go and ask the lieutenant governor that they can form government while Christie cannot. So that'll be interesting to see. And it also, it's gonna we're gonna have to keep an eye on what this means about the Kinder Morgan pipeline. That's very scary. Because right now, Alberta is trying to push a Kinder Morgan pipeline that comes all the way down well, here. So is the federal government. So They're, is the federal government. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what the uh, Green and the NDP alliance say about that. That's a bad, bad move. A- anything having to do with that pipeline is uh, ho- hope. Hopefully, it, it, something will happen and it it won't get built. But I'm not too hopeful. Yeah, exactly. Um, this uh, this week we had the movie the movie Wonder Woman come out, and uh, funny thing is uh, this is a new version of Wonder Woman. We haven't seen a Wonder Woman thing since the 1970s. Um, Lebanon. Lebanon banned Wonder Woman. They're boycotting Wonder Woman. Well, I wonder if it's because of the um, the costumes. It's actually because the uh, Gal Gadot, who actually plays Wonder Woman, the, the actress, is Israeli. She's Israeli. Yes, and uh, Lebanon and Israel have a long history of not liking each other so much. I mean, they've got their choice of reasons to ban it, for sure. Yeah, they've been boycotting Israeli products for some time Jeez, now. Can't they just grow up? Apparently they oh, can't. No. So, so they've been banning Israeli products for a while now, and I guess she's an Israeli product in some sense, right? So mm-hmm. they're banning. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen anything about this movie yet. I'd like to see it. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, I saw it last night. It was, it's Wonder Woman from a guy's point of view. I remember the 1970s. It was, it was a good movie. Good. It was yeah, a good movie. It's good. She was like 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Really? Well, this is, yeah. this is totally different. In, I, I gather in terms of her, um, the, the the personal force that she portrays. You know, the it's not all um, it's not all kid cartoon stuff, which was what yeah. the yeah. the original was. This really you know packs a packs a punch oh, yeah, she, she morally and and physically as well. And I was reading that if, if for no other reason. People have to go to uh, to the movie to be activist because of the director, mm. who happens to be a black woman. Oh, I and did not know that. And this is the first. This is the first major film um, directed by a woman of of color, and and because. Hollywood has always been really sort of a, a, a white boys, boys club, a good yeah. old boys club, with a few exceptions in terms of acting. There have not been. I'm trying to think. I think she may be the first. Um, not, no, I, don't, I, I know she's not the first um, director to do action movies because there is another woman director that did um, that movie about Vietnam. That won won awards, but oh, Rafaela uh, de Laurentiis. I think the so. wife of Dino de Laurentiis. I, uh, I'll have to. I'll have now to that check. I've I'll opened my check. mouth, we'll have to check. <laughs> but she definitely is the first woman of color. There's been men of color who have directed, uh, uh, but not a woman. I think they like 
Kevin said the Rotten Tomatoes rating right now at 94%. That's a pretty good yeah, indication of how that movie is. Yeah, and uh, good, good on for the uh, DC Universe to put a good movie because their last couple of movies have not been very good. Yeah, so this so, this might be a real redeeming yeah, thing. For, for that, and, and for her, for it's going to be a real feather in her cap. I mean, oh, yes to, yes. to be the director of that. Oh, she totally kicks ass in that yeah. movie too, so it's cool. Uh, did you guys hear about this Kathy Griffin photo debacle? Oh. No. You What? Where have you been? Under a rock? Yes. Okay. So besides... It was a nice rock. (laughs) (laughs) Kathy Griffin, which is the uh, comedian slash actress, uh, took a picture. She posed with uh, 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 what looked like Trump's bloody severed head. She did this with celebrity photographer. Yes, I I seen it. Yeah, she did this with celebrity photographer Tyler Shields. No, no, it wasn't real. (laughs) But there's there's this uh, there's this little clip where she just stares at the camera. She's got that really blank look, and she just raises the head, the severed head, which is obviously the, the head of Donald Trump, and all bloody and all that. And that just you know the tweet hit the shitstorm. You know, oh, <laughs> the, the fan is like, oh my god, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be actually like a some kind of crime? Well, it, it turns out the uh, Secret Service are going to investigate into it. I'm thinking they would. I mean, she she was kind of making some kind of political statement i guess and uh she's been on the receiving end of bipartisan side on a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people are just you know immediately. Oh, oh, yeah. that, went, that immediately. went way over the edge yes. That's, yeah, she did i guess you know she's an edgy comedian she anyway, an edgy she's comedian. made her career out of being edgy and for some reason or another either her judgment or the judgment of those around her didn't kick in to say uh wait a minute this is just a little more than most people are going to be able to tolerate. And it's terrible for her because a career that was peaking, you know, and she was doing extremely well, it's just come to a screeching well, she was, halt. She was fired by CNN right after that. Yeah. Uh, and she, I wonder why. But, you know, at the same time, I can't help but think, you know, of, of course, everybody that was conservative made a huge take about this, but... If you recall, just a few years ago, where were all these people when they were depicting pictures of Obama being hung? Ah, good point. And, you know, That's burning the F- You know, I mean, okay, fine. I Personally, I think she what she should have done, she would have made that same political statement instead of a bloody head if she had like yeah. a cartoonish kind of head. I think she would have made the same kind of statement. But I think that the fact that it looked too much like a bloody head right out of, out of ISIS thing or something like that. Yeah. I think that was the straw. Well, that, that that's, the yeah, that's going over the yeah. line. Had she had she done the same thing and, and put Trump Trump a Trump effigy on a, on a noose? Yes. Okay, fair. That's fair ball. But to actually hold up a bloody head, I mean. So I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that myself. Uh, I have mixed feelings about I do, it. I, I mean, do. I support anybody in their, um, in, in their right to peacefully protest mm-hmm. it was a peaceful thing but the icon itself has a lot of emotional negative emotional yes. impact so well we can agree in the meantime yeah. that the uh, politics have become all too polarizing when something like that creates such a such wow. a kerfuffle and That's at the same true. time at the same time you know I, I understand why people do make a fuss about this because you don't want these kind of images to become the norm either you don't want people to de- be desensitized to an image like that. So I, I understand that. So I'm, I'm on the fence on this. I'm really on the fence. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting comment by Jim Carrey, who came kind of to, to, to her defense, saying, you know, it's a comedian's job to be on the edge. So 
We'll have there's, to follow that. There's on the edge and then there's over the cliff. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, and, you know, you, you can't help but um, pair that image with ISIS beheadings. Yes. And it just the whole the whole thing, unfortunately, became negative. Would it have been different if she had been wearing like an ISIS mask? You know, how, 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 how would people have reacted then? No, know? I think it was the separate, regardless of what she wore, yeah. I, think, I think it was the head itself. You know, those subtle things, right? Yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, severed boobs, um, huh? the Paris Accord. Oh, <laughs> severed boobs, okay. Yeah, turns out uh, Mr. Trump has decided not to go ahead with the Paris Accord while all the other countries in the world, except for Syria, which we can totally understand because they're at war, and Nicaragua. And Nicaragua didn't sign the Paris Accord because it didn't go far enough. But the U.S. decided to say, no, you know what? We're not signing this. Who cares about the planet? <coughs> As Donald Trump said, I represent the people of Pittsburgh, not Paris. <laughs> you know, you, you, you think the U.S., you know, in 1776, when they declared independence, it's been a democratic nation since then. It's taken 132 years and the, 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 the whole government is poised on, on, on chaos mm -hmm. at this particular time. It's working, but you think one, one guy, after all this time, has put everything that the United States has worked for in, in jeopardy. In barely I think over 100 days. Bare, bare, 130, <laughs> I think it's 130 and 32 days. I mean, the good thing about it is there are checks and balances, and I think eventually it will work. It's going to take a while to work, and at this point, there's no telling day to day how much damage he can actually do out front and how much the Republicans are doing in secret using yes. his outrageous behavior as a shield, and they're doing things in the background that are just as damaging. We just aren't hearing about them. And, of course, what will be the breaking point for the U.S., for the average citizen? Because at this point, they've been pretty much, you know, complaining, but going along with it nonetheless. At some point, I think the Americans are going to turn around and say, okay, enough is enough, and then you're going to see chaos in the streets. Yeah. I hope not. I, but I hope not. I hope not either. I don't think there'll be chaos in the streets. I think... I was watching the other day that his approval rating as a candidate and his approval rating as president has stayed about the same, between mm -hmm. 35 and 41 percent. And it's going to take about 10 percent of that core group to move over to the other side to mm -hmm. actually start making it. Or it's going to take the, uh, the uh, Republicans to get a collective backbone and do something about it. Good luck it. with that one. Yeah. And of course, in the meantime, uh, there's a lot of the American cities have decided to keep on fighting climate change and to respect the uh, Paris Accord on their own. The cities themselves. The cities themselves, independently, Good. you know, have decided to do that. And Bloomberg says he'll give $15 million to oh, keep really? it going. Oh, really? Yep. I didn't hear that. Yep. Uh, the, the interesting part about this is this is a great opportunity for China. With every step the U.S. decides to take out and not be part of China steps in and they are looking better and better yeah. and better so this this power vacuum I guess you could say has been very beneficial for China at this point so who knows we might come to a point where we'll see that the global power is no longer going to be the US it might be China it might be coming sooner than we think and of course you know to finish on a, a bit of a better note um, remember An Inconvenient Truth with Al Gore love that uh -huh. movie the second one is coming out this July, July oh. 28th. Yay! So that should be interesting because apparently the first one we weren't smart enough to listen to that first message. 
You need a second one, apparently. So that'll be interesting to Timing see. Timing is good. Yes. Because you've got, you've got a lot of resistance movements going on. So exactly. we'll see what happens. I mean, with the accord, with the um, pulling out of the accord and, and now... The, the movie, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Maybe it'll help make a change. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> All right. So what are we doing today? Are we doing a uh, distant history or doing a quack watch? We're doing a quack watch. Let's do a quack watch. All righty. I love your quack watches. Quack. I like the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes, yeah, yes, no, this is, this, is, this is a fun one. Um, I was uh, relaxing during the week, and a friend of mine uh, sent me a message um, that had to do with Dr. Oz uh, and a website and she said she sent it to me very innocently and said do you know about this and I thought do I know about this I'm the crack investigative <laughs> reporter for a top rated podcast am I That's on this right. or what <laughs> you know That's right. so you know I took my little clicker and went to work and it was <laughs> fun it really was the website that she sent me I had to do with Dr. Oz um, and the um, there was something off about that website and I couldn't figure out at first what it was but it was a, a website that said the doctors which was you know one of the sites I think mm-hmm. that, that he's used and Dr. Oz was interviewing a young lady named Ashley Williams about a new um, weight loss um, supplement made of a well I'll, I'll get into that because at, at this point it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference what it was but Ashley Williams is sitting and she's giving this whole spiel about how her life totally changed and she got a sample and she lost 187 zillion pounds in Ooh. two days I mean you know we, we all know the we all know the pitch but I I noticed that I couldn't navigate that site and I thought well at first maybe it's me and I'm clicking and clicking and nothing is nothing is moving but I can read the whole thing and I can absolutely click on the um, the jar of the supplement in order to to get that but not anything on the on the dashboard so um, I became intrigued with Ashley Williams and wondered who is this person that got on Dr. Oz. So I clicked on Ashley Williams and it took me to another site that was exactly the same, only it said uh, um, uh, Dr. Oz show. And every time I clicked on that dashboard, it brought up the picture of the supplement but it was an entirely different supplement so now I had two websites with the same um, product but different brand names so now I really got intrigued about Ashley Williams and wondered how the heck did this happen or you know I I knew how it happened they're just you know uh, whatever the interview was they just decided to uh, co-opt it and and Mm -hmm. use it for a different brand so I again I looked up Ashley Williams and went a little further and found an Australian site where Ashley Williams was giving an interview with an Australian um, host about and saying how wonderful it was that she all that she lost all this weight from gastric band surgery. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! And I'm going. This is just 
wild, you know. So what with the same pictures of the before and after. So obviously, I don't say obviously, but somehow this particular interview with this particular woman and the pictures has been used as the basis of every, not every, but a lot of these fake weight loss. Um, so she was she was fat and she took she got bypass surgery. Right. And she lost all the weight and now she's here in the U.S. saying, well, it wasn't the bypass surgery. It was essentially this supplement for twenty nine ninety nine. Either that, or they used the Australian one somehow or another. That that interview was used and changed to promote weight loss. In one sense, in Australia, it was used for gastric band, but here it was used for two different products that had the same, pretty much the same in, ingredients in them. So Freaking now laws. I'm having a good time and I'm really intrigued. <laughs> so I, I look at the, um, either either one, either the Dr. Oz or the the um, the doctors uh, to to read about each of the um, uh, supplements. One was called Trim Gen X, and the other is called uh, All Pure Pure Life. Mm-hmm. And they all cite both of them cited the same um, results of what was supposedly a study done by Columbia University obesity research study that showed that um, this. The full name of it was Pure Life Garcinia, and it's Garcinia that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but I still want to go through the, the fake sites. Isn't it an actor, Andy Garcinia? No, yes. Andy Garcinia, sorry. Yes, he could be. I like the name. <laughs> it's a good name for a dog. Here, Garcinia. I like, I like that one, too. Anyway, they both um, had this... Um, uh, supposed study by Columbia University Obesity Research Center showing that the Garcinia was just fabulous in helping with weight loss, and it was a double blind and so forth. But as it turned out, when I went to research the study itself, the study itself showed that there was no significant difference. So they, they took a study and then lied about the about the results and it was not an easy study to find because there actually isn't any Columbia University Obesity Research Center. There oh. is a center at Columbia, but it has slightly different name, and, it, and it's attached to the surgery center. So oh, you really went to town to, on that, I you? went to town yeah. because once I found that they were fake, then I just I had to, had to search, and most of the information was was uh, was was pretty easy to find. So let's get into what this is. This has to do with a fruit that's called Garcinia cambogia. Yeah. Has anybody heard of it? I have. It, Isn't it you've seen f- it on their tons on Facebook. They yeah, the fruit that cures cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen it's, that. Yeah, supposedly it, it originally was used for, for diabetes and, and high cholesterol, but then the, whoever it was the, that made the decision to market it, uh, marketed it for the weight loss. And there is some very, very tough uh, tiny weight loss associated with it right at first, but there, there is no significant um, uh, weight loss attached to it. It's all marketing at this point. Of course point. there's going to be a weight loss if you're eating fruit instead I, of I, uh, Slim Jims. Um, bought, bought it. You, you bought it? Yeah. Oh, no. you did you buy it in it. the pill form? Yeah. Did it, what did it do? Um, Nothing. 
Not much. <laughs> Did you have any side effects? Uh, yeah, I had to go to the bathroom a lot. The, the, the side effects. The diuretic. Yeah, and that's that's one of the problems um, with it is that it, it does have it does have side effects that that really can be annoying: uh, dizziness, dry mouth, yeah. headache, upset stomach, diarrhea. This sounds like a Pepto-Bismol commercial. <laughs> um, and it can interact with asthma, diabetes, iron, pain medications, and, and so forth. So how long did you take it? Um, I bought a, a special, so I got three bottles. I only took two of them. Oh, so, so you lost all that money. Yeah, and, and it, it is supposed to be, at this point, one of the hottest um, products out there. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a big seller. It's a big seller. It's yeah. actually, it's a tropical fruit, and other names for it are Malabar Tamarind. You can buy it at the health food stores in different forms of names that has the same similar ingredients in it. Yeah, and the active ingredient is actually in the fruit rind, and it's called hydroxytric acid, or HCA. Yeah. And it oh. is supposedly the HCA boosts the fat burning and cuts back appetite in yes, various studies. Yeah, there's a studies. whole bunch of weight loss uh, products that have ACA, like yeah. the hydroxycut, hydroxy whatever, they all have that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it also raises levels of the brain's chemical serotonin, which makes people feel less hungry um it, so it, it's one of these things that just makes the rounds and it'll hit a hit a hit a peak so consumer reports so now we know what it is and we know that the, the fake websites are out there so consumer reports in 2015 um said that there were about a million americans each month um that uh that are, are, are that use weight loss supplements and so they uh, all these people look for reviews on Garcinia Cambogia's effectiveness and the side effects and where they bought it. So they, the manufacturers claim that although it boosts weight loss by slowing the body's ability to absorb fat and replacing fat with toned muscles and so forth and so on, that it really doesn't work that well in people. It works much better in a Petri dish, but not <laughs> that well with, um, with people. So in, in 1998, when they, the, the first randomized control uh, um, trial started, it, it, back then it didn't show that, that it was it was significant. So uh, what the marketers have been doing is weaving a story with obscure facts, and um, maybe each fragment has some validity, but the whole thing has, has no sense at all. So let's get back to Dr. Oz. Oh, no, oh, no, please not. Let's get back to Dr. Oz. <laughs> so the, the, the interesting thing is, back in 2013 or 14, Dr. Oz actually promoted Garcinia. Yes, he did. And he was he was promoting that along with green coffee beans and other things and raspberry ketones. Raspberry, yeah, and. For his his viewing of um, audiences predominantly women, mm -hmm. and they like Dr. Oz, and so this thing just took off. So in two thousand and fourteen, he called um, he called the Garcinia a miracle weight loss cure, yeah. and he really promoted. He didn't promote a brand, but he promoted the the whole thing. So. 
Interestingly enough, that claim that it was a miracle led to a Federal Trade Commission lawsuit against him in 2014, and he had to testify before a congressional committee. So he appeared before the congressional hearing for praising that, plus the green coffee and the raspberry ketone, so forth and so on. And um, Claire uh, McCaskill, who was the chairman at that point, really scolded him for promoting all the magic pills. And so Oz said, yeah, his language was a little flowery Mm -hmm, about it. mm -hmm. Just a little, huh? But he felt, yeah, but he felt, well, maybe they can be short-term crutches. So he kind of, you know, pulled back a little bit. So let's get to 2015. A group of 10 doctors sent a letter to Columbia University urging that Dr. Oz lose his facility, uh, his faculty uh, We talked about this on the show before. Yeah, and because he's shown a disdain for science and for evidence-based medicine. So... um, the university responded that it had upheld Dr. Oz's right for freedom of expression and that he wouldn't be removed. Okay, so now let's get back up to two, to 16. One of the interesting things is that Dr. Oz recently rent on a tirade against yes. very, yeah, brands that were using his name without his um, uh, permission. However, during all of this stuff, and there's a lawsuit against him now. There's a new one oh. in 2016, and it's because of uh, Garcinia, Cambodia. Mm. So um, the consumer, the, how it happened was a consumer filed a class action suit on behalf of all purchases of the supplement, but it hasn't gone anywhere. It alleges that the diet pills are not based on any evidence, but they're presented. And they also say that the Dr. Oz effect has caused the... Um, um, the, the rise in, in different products. So here all of this is going on, mm-hmm. and he's and Dr. Oz is trying to prove his credibility. The lawsuit is against him. And to cap the whole thing off, he's recently joined a multi-level marketing company oh. that sells nutritional supplements oh. very similar to the Garcinia Cambodia and the, the ones that are targeted in, in the lawsuit. And that company, everybody write this down, USANA, which is described by some as a pyramid scream uh pyramid scheme so that's the odyssey between my friend saying have you heard about this and the fact that dr oz is up to his old tricks of pushing stuff where it's putting money in his pocket and taking it out of ours that's a brilliant bit of research nancy fantastic fantastic job and i guess the lesson is whenever you hear the word miracle red flag should go up right away i don't care who says it well, if Dr. Miracle Oz cure. says it, I think it should give you... <laughs> give I, I have a strict like, personal policy. Anybody pushed by Oprah is a quack, as far as I'm concerned. So. <laughs> yeah, they, they, t- they tend to, to spin off and make a lot of money they without do. a lot of they credibility do. for some reason or another. Whether it's Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, wasn't there a third one, too? They all, they all, 
Oprah-esque, you know. They're, oh, they, they're yeah, all discovered they, by Oprah. They, they all go on their own host. show. And no. They're all quacks. But, all I mean, them. people want to lose weight. They want to lose it quickly. They don't want to exercise. They don't want to do anything. And I can understand that. I get that. I can understand it. And what has a, a doctor's name attached to it, it you know, it helps. It, but it the old-fashioned way, and if there's a medical problem that's interfering with weight loss, then you really have to go, you know, and find out what the underlying um, causes are of the weight loss. That, and that, that involves seeing a real physician. Yeah, not I know a real physician. Yeah, yes. well, you know, physician. I can understand how people get duped by this because Dr. Oz, for example, you would talk about the, the show The Doctors, right? Even right here in BC, in the paper, the province, there is a column by Dr. Oz and another doctor. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, so, wow. so, so you're you're reading the local paper. You th- well, of course, yeah, it's the, in the, the province, province is not great. I'll, I'll admit to that. But it's still one of the local papers, right? And you think you have journalism there, and there you have Doctor Oz in his column. I can understand how you get easily duped then, because it looks legit. But as far as the province is concerned, all they want is to put something that people will read and get them advertising revenue. That's all they care about. So. Uh, anyway, it's all um, about the cash. It's all about the cash. But I will tell you one thing for sure: the only sure way to lose weight is to have some of my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try that. I'll try that. That's a new old risk and peril. All right, thank you so much, Nancy. But in the meantime, we shall go to our segment we all love, called another brilliant moment, brought to you by religion. Remember Billy Graham? Oh, who could yeah. forget Billy Graham? Yeah. Well, if you still have doubt that Christians are dominionist, theocracy alert, his son. Franklin. Franklin Graham. Him and his uh, Christians extremist plot to take over public school in the U.S. Franklin Graham, son of the legendary charlatan Billy Graham, says school districts are now controlled by wicked and evil gays and lesbians. <laughs> And must be run by evangelical Christians if America is, abo- is, is to avoid God's wrath. And wasn't Betsy DeVos a gift for him? Oh, jeez, well, <laughs> sure was. I thought God's wrath was Donald Trump. Oh, I mean, she really made, he, he really makes his father look mainstream. Mm. I mean, he, his father was respected. Whether, whether, whether you, whatever yeah, you think I mean, about religion, his, his father really was, was very respected and seemed to operate on an ethical base. And I don't know what happened to Franklin, but he sure fell off the wagon Show me the money. Show me said. the money, yeah. So he says on Fox News that President Obama has sold himself completely to the gay and lesbian community. Telling Starnes on the uh, Starnes, uh, Todd Starn last week, um, that uh, he's pushing a, Obama was pushing a dangerous policy that will allow sexually perverted people to take advantage of women. You mean like Catholic priests? No, not <laughs> quite. <laughs> and now states like North Carolina are facing pressure from a very wicked agenda within the Obama administration. They can't. They're still. The guy's been gone from office. They're still blaming him, right? No, he's he's the the prime target. I think. Just to interject a second, I yeah. think that's what drives Trump. He's got to wipe everything uh, Obama did totally off the map. It's irrational. You're probably absolutely right. Sorry about that. So he he says, "quote I want the school boards of America in the hands of evangelical Christians within the next four to six years," and that should be good. <laughs> Wow. So he's declaring that America is now facing a moral 9-11. The country is imploding. We're seeing a moral implosion. Just like we saw the World Trade Center on 9-11 when the planes hit the tower. They imploded, they fell from within. And that's what's happening in our country. We're falling within. 
Our foundations have been weakened by immorality and it's beginning to crumble. Uh, <laughs> but he has the president's ear. At least we can sit on this side of the border and just yeah. watch it unfold. <laughs> I don't want to add, but it's actually getting worse because adding fuel to the fire in a Facebook messages to his followers, he said Graham encouraged Christians to martyr themselves to the Christian dream of theocracy, asking the rhetorical, rhetorical, rhetorical question, sorry, what would you take a bullet for? What are the principles and belief that you would not compromise under any circumstances, even if it meant putting your life on the line? This is Uh-oh. getting scary. It is. Because also we also know that... I don't remember that. You know, I used to be a churchgoer long ago. I don't remember that message. I don't ever remember the theocracy being the dream of a Christian. I Where did that come it's from? Because you're in Canada. came from the rise of the evangelicals. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of a scary scary thing going on there. So yeah, let's uh, do another one here, another moment. Um, <laughs> now, although it's a fact that a segment of the population is sexually oriented towards the same sex, we don't really know as to why until now. Zakir Naik, you guys know this guy? He's Never a, heard of him. He's a Muslim televangelist responsible for such gems as. Darwin went to a Calopteris island instead of Galapagos. Scientists support evolution because it's against the church. And Homo sapiens, that's us by the way, went extinct 500,000 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. He's been in the news lately and (laughs) and ever since it emerged that Muslim youth have been getting radicalized listening to his sermons on TV and a few have gone to join ISIS as well. The Indian government is also investigating Zakir Naik, Islamic Research Foundation. Dr. Naik's sermons are often regressive and sometimes borders on hate speech for other communities. As expected of him, he views homosexuality as haram, which is, means forbidden. In a video, the giant scholar of Muslim ignorance not only launches into a tirade against homosexuality, telling the Bible prescribes homosexual to be stoned to death, a practice as ISIS has been following in his territories, but also comes up with a new explanation for homosexuality. Okay, listen to this. Men become gay. Now, please, please, prepare a Nobel Prize, at least some kind of drum roll. Some, somebody give Ta-da. me a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> because they start mingling freely with girls and have sex with 30 to 50 women and then get tired and want something different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God! I know. I'm so. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be crass here, but I'm so tired of all that pussy. I'm just. just I'm, no, you know what? I'm just. I just can't. No, not anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Man. That's. You know, that's a theory I've never heard before. You know, who knew? You know, who knew? Islam. They, they get bored. They get bored of the women, so they migrate to the men. That's right. <laughs> wow. Men, some men are too promiscuous, and that's why they decide. I'm, I'm, I'm tired with all these women coming at me. I, I know. I know. Somewhere in there, there's a there's a kernel I could use to talk about feminism, but I can't quite can't quite pull. I know there's something there, that, but I can't quite pull it out at this particular point. Holy. Yeah, because, you know, some ancient goat herders actually knew better about homosexuality. Well, ancient goat science. herders knew that the goats were worth something anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, I find it funny that in something like that, they never talk about lesbianism, right? They, they talk oh, about gay men. Yeah, it's gay men. That's, yeah. that's the but the religion is so man-centric that they completely forget a whole segment of the population. Well, because they don't matter. They don't matter. They don't matter. Exactly. Don't matter. That's right. Exactly. 
So, Dr. Naik, whatever his name is, this clown. This is so sad. It is it's sad. It's sad because he's viewed as a this. huge scholar in the Islamic world. The he's viewed that, as a huge man. The fact that we have to even discuss things like that, that we have these things to discuss in this day and age, is just sad. Yeah, it, uh, it absolutely is sad. Well, we have to discuss it because we have to point out how ridiculous and harmful. I. I Ridiculous and harmful don't belong together in the same. I don't know, Nancy. That, that sounds very Islamophobic to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're, but we're Islamophobic. But there's there's <laughs> there's very little difference when you think about it between what he's saying and what the evangelicals. No, exactly. The message it's, is the it's same. The same. The message it's, is the same. That's the only thing that's bringing them together is their their hatred of uh, homosexuality and people Absolutely. who are different. What is it? What is it that they hate? And this is what I don't understand. What is it that they hate about it? So I knew somebody who actually approached me, it was somebody I know, and they said, did you hear about, and it was down in the States with the washroom debacle, right? Uh, where they were, mm-hmm. they were doing the uh, tra- trans couldn't use the washroom because, oh. and I, I'm like, what, what, what difference does it make? And they said, well, they're gay. Now they're religious, right? This, this person was religious. And I said, okay, so they're gay. What business is it of yours? Yeah. I don't care who they want to hold hands with walking down the street. Miss, I don't care what exactly. they do in their bedroom. I don't care who they want to sit on the park bench with. That's their business. Exactly. Get out of their business. Exactly. I, I have a family member who is very homophobic. I don't know if he still is, but he certainly was. And to the point I even told me one time, says, you know, if some gay guy made a pass at me, I would actually knock him out. And I'm, th- I'm looking at him and said, why? Why? Why wouldn't you be a, be, be kind of embarrassingly kind of, flat? I'm not is, gay, so I'd be embarrassingly flat. It's kind of flattering, right? right? Because you know, <laughs> you know, women will find you attractive, and this guy finds you attractive too. Well, hey, that's a compliment. That's, that's, that's a, compliment. a compliment. That's right. I mean, it doesn't mean right away because the guy finds me uh, attractive. We're just gonna hey, let's go to the back of my car right away. Have that's, these people never like they? Well, it's in the Bible, so it has to be obeyed, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's right. the, the interpretation of what's in the Bible <laughs> that has to be obeyed. And it just, um, I don't know, it, it, it's, getting, it's getting worse. I mean, it's oh. 2017, 20, 2017, and we're still in the dark and middle ages when it comes to Absolutely. dealing with people sexuality, who... Yeah, sexuality. Sexuality. Gender issues. Dealing and with. unfortunately... Birth control and, uh, and abortion in the in the states as mm. well. Well, hopefully it's getting better. Well, thank you guys for your opinion, and now we'll take a break, and we'll be back with Doctor Del Rey. Stay with us. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Doctor Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Now it's time for an AtheistAudiobooks.com sneak preview. The happy atheist disproving Christianity after faith. 
Indian Constitution baptized the God Virus. Here is an excerpt from The Child Catchers, Rescue, Trafficking, and the New Gospel of Adoption by Catherine Joyce. That's when the pressure turned ugly. The musics sat her down, Rianne said, and asked her what her plan to parent was. In a letter she wrote later, she listed the arguments the musics made. That placing your child for adoption was biblical, so God would bless me abundantly for my decision. That I had too much potential to be a single mother, and God had big plans for me. That they had to hold me to what I said when I first moved in. And finally, that it shows you care more for your child when you place them for adoption. Rianne didn't know that consent documents for adoption are not legally binding in Washington State until after birth. Everything was screaming at me to keep my child, Rianne said. Rianne wrote the butler's pastor to request that he help mediate some agreement with the family. The social worker called the butlers and returned to Rianne with a message. They didn't want an open adoption or to send any photos, but they said to tell you, thank you for the gift. The Child Catchers, now available at atheistaudiobooks.com. I've heard people say that... And we're back. Now, this music can only mean one thing, is if we have with us the host of Secular Sexuality, the man, the psychologist of sexuality, our friend, Dr. Del Rey. Dr. Rey, how you doing, sir? Well, I'm great. Hey, Barry White. <laughs> is that perfect? Right. <laughs> That's perfect. Back when, when uh, they selected the music to intro, they said, this is the closest to Barry White we could get. So, okay. <laughs> you great minds think alike. You didn't know that, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Ray, welcome to the Valley. Thank you so much for being with us. My, my pleasure. Now, Doctor, this is not your first time on the show, but we always have some new listeners, so if you'd be so kind, will you please give us the Reader's Digest of who Del Rey is? Gosh, okay. I'm the, I'm the president of, and founder of Recovering from Religion, which I guess we'll talk about another time. I'm going to talk a little bit about it today, maybe. And I'm the author of The God Virus, uh, one of the best-selling books on that topic, and uh the author of Sex and God, the only book on that topic. Nobody yet has written another book about how religion screws up your sex life. Really? I'm surprised. Yeah, no, isn't that interesting? You would think that would be an obvious thing to write, write about, but nobody's ever done that. Wow. Uh, I also host my own podcast, The Secular Sexuality, where we talk about all things that you cannot listen to if you're under 18. <laughs> and, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting podcast i think so anyway it absolutely is i listen to it and i highly recommend it i also have both your books and you were kind enough to grant us an interview in the past and even one of our ex-co-hosts karen we met uh del rey at the imaginal religion forum at the, uh -huh. at the time and he actually oh. gave her a vibrator 
So, <laughs> awesome. Oh, right. Yeah. Now, did I autograph it? That's the question. Yes, you did. You did, too. So, that's a great yeah. thing about Dr. There's Ray. There's only like three women on the planet that have an autographed uh, vibrator from me. So those things would be worth a lot of money by now. Uh, unless, of course, they've been used. Then I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she could have framed it and put it on the wall. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> there, is one, there is a woman in North Carolina that did frame it and did put it on her wall. Oh, oh, <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? I said, haven't you used it? She said, no, I framed it, put on my wall. I want to remember that. I don't want to use it. That, that, now, that's a conversation piece right there. You want to keep the autograph on it. You know, once you use it, there goes the autograph. <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy, crazy funny. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Ray, you know, um, we'll we'll be talking about uh, recovering from religion a bit later on. But one of the uh, topics we wanted to discuss today was hypnotism in church, and this is something you've uh, written about uh, quite extensively and done some lectures about it. Would you be so kind to illuminate us about this? Well, yeah, I actually devoted a whole chapter in my book, The God Virus, to that because I noticed early on ministers, if you if you Go on television, for example, or YouTube or something, and just watch one of these evangelical ministers preaching. And then you ask yourself, if you saw somebody standing out on the street talking like that, would you think they were crazy? Oh, yeah. yeah you probably would. <laughs> they repeat themselves four and five times. They talk in cadences like this, and they emphasize things that don't seem to need to be emphasized, and you, they tend to talk about the same rate as you breathe. I mean, I'm doing it as we speak right here, right? You got me hypnotized. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was talking Scott, a little Scott, put faster. your pants back on. Put your pants back on, Scott. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I never understood that. It seemed weird to me. Uh, I did grow up in a church that didn't use that method as much. But whenever we had, about once a year, a revivalist would come in. And the revivalist preacher would preach like that, even though our local preacher didn't preach as well like that. What I quickly learned was preachers who use that technique are usually pretty darn successful. And preachers who don't use that technique are not very successful. I just I just was in Texas a few weeks ago speaking down in uh, Corpus Christi mm. and had the opportunity to talk to a minister, a former minister. He was a Baptist minister for like 20 years or more, and he got outed. He was an atheist in the pulpit. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and, and he said he, I, he refused to use that hypnotic technique. As a result, he never could grow his church very big. And yet down the street at similar church to his would be 10 times bigger than his and the minister would be using them so i i noticed that then when i went on i got my master's degree in um, religion thinking i would be a minister after two years of that i realized it was all bullshit and decided i didn't want to go that direction so i went into psychology and in the course of my psychological training over the next five or six years i got a lot of training in hypnosis and one day it dawned on me what they're teaching me in this class about hypnosis is almost the same thing as that pre preacher's doing down the road there. Uh, of course, YouTube didn't exist back then, and you couldn't just go online, but you could turn the television on, and you could see an evangelical or crazy Pentecostal minister preaching. And I studied that for a little while, and I realized these are the same techniques. 
And those ministers did not go to my hypnosis school. How did they learn that shit? And so I started talking to some ministers and listened to them. And so is this where you wanted to go, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. Because okay. I can talk all day about this oh. stuff. <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> Have fun. Has, has Scott put his pants back on yet? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we had to Damn. force him. <laughs> he's, only, he's got one leg in so far. <laughs> Guys are mean. <laughs> so uh, that was really fascinating that we had ministers using these techniques and then I started when I started talking to them listening to them asking how they got trained they basically told me that w they taught us how to do this in, in Bible college of course almost all the ministers that were in my particular denomination went to a Bible college as did all the Baptists around us and the Pentecostals and Nazarenes most of those colleges were not accredited. You, you couldn't. You got a degree from them, but the degree wasn't worth anything in the secular world, as these, unfortunately, ministers leaving the pulpit have now found out. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what I found out was they were mimicking people like Billy Sunday or Billy Graham. You know, Billy Sunday was like the mentor for Billy Graham. Well, many of us have heard Billy Graham preach at some point in our life, and we see he uses the same cadence, those cadences and the repetitions and the reading things that you practically already got memorized because you've heard them so many times from the pulpit. Then I came across a book some years ago, fascinating book. I would actually recommend it to anyone, any of your listeners that are interested in this subject. It was called Battle, The Battle of the Mind. And uh, it was by a Englishman named William Sargent. And he spells his name funny, S-A-G-E-N-T or something like it. It wasn't quite the same as you would spell, you know, a captain or a sergeant name. I don't remember right now. Oh, uh, wow. After I read that book, he was a British intelligence officer during World War II. And then after he got out of the British, um, whatever he was doing there, he joined like MI6 or whatever those equivalent to CIA was in the British government. And then the CIA got a hold of him and said, why don't you come over to the United States and we'll pay you to write, a, to research some stuff. Because at that time in this early, late 40s, early 50s, the United States was dealing with pilots or soldiers who had been, and then of course, tortured or whatever. And then they would get on movies or on video or whatever back then and confess their crimes against communism and how they now have seen the light. And the U.S. government, the CIA, wanted to know how they were able to take well-prepared people and and turn them around to say things you, you know darn good and well they didn't believe. And that was what William Sargent was doing. And he <laughs> investigated all this. And, and Kevin, you will not be surprised at this, maybe. Any of you were any of you raised in the Methodist Church? No. No, I was raised Catholic. No, oh, okay. I, was, I was Jewish and missed all of this good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky you. I wish the rest of us could say that. Uh, yeah, except, of course, if you raise Hasidic Jew or Orthodox Jew. <laughs> no, no, I just perform. No, okay. no, we, we well, have this. That was really lucky of you. Yeah. We, we have this running gag here on the show that Nancy is actually the wandering Jew that's been cursed <laughs> by Jesus to live forever until he comes back. 
Well, she can, she can, she has escaped the torture of Protestantism and, and Catholicism. Yeah. So, what William Sargent did did some interesting research on uh, uh, Charles and John Wesley, and this begins his book. When you, if you read this book, Battle of the Mind, you will see that he starts out trying to understand how brainwashing works. Of course, that's where the term brainwashing came from was in that uh, time frame between uh, the Korean War and into the Vietnam War. So by 1959, he'd figured it out. He published this book. Now, if you read the book, you'll realize he's a psychiatrist. He was trained in those early days of psychiatry, so he uses some old terminology. But the concepts he is showing are phenomenal, really, really interesting stuff. And what he shows was uh, John Wesley could stand up in front of a thousand people in a tent meeting in England and pretty much hypnotize them, put them into an altered state of consciousness. So they would be literally rolling in the aisles and crying and all this stuff that, that he was able to do. And he could do this over and over again to thousands of people at the same time. Now, that is really amazing. Hmm. Uh, until you realize that other people have been doing this for a long time. Charles, uh, I believe it's Charles Mesmer. This is where we get the notion of mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. He's, oh. the, he's kind of the inventor of what we now know of as hypnosis. He, he kind of created the basic technology for that way back in the late 1700s. But the Wesleys were doing it even earlier than that, and they had had no training in this stuff. Somehow, uh, John Wesley had come upon the technique of preaching that really it uses ritual, it uses repetition, it uses speaking at the roughly the rate of breathing. And sooner or later, you can just put people into an altered state of consciousness where they will start doing things they have never dreamed they, they would do or could do. And that's what I saw when I looked at Bill Graham could get hundreds of people to come down and confess and get baptized or whatever Billy did at those gigantic meetings. He could get hundreds of thousands of people crying. Now, if so that just tells me that Billy Graham, taking his cue from Billy Sunday, who did the same thing earlier, taking their cue from Charles and John Wesley, even 200 years earlier, we have kind of a pedigree. We could take this stuff way, 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 way back. These techniques have been available to the religious, especially Protestant religion, for centuries, for at least two centuries, maybe a little, maybe two and a half centuries. I guess it's I very, think that's fascinating, don't you? Absolutely, yes. absolutely. And we could, we could probably even go further in the past when you think of ancient shamanism and using not just the rhythm of the voice, but also visual cues. You know, the smoke and and and, and you know the decor. Uh, right. Is it still reproduced in churches today? Uh, yeah, right. If you think about what the Catholic Church does, they have they they use rituals, they use rhythms, they use music, they use incense, and all those things can do the same thing that Charles and John Wesley did. And those are actually much more ancient. Those go back to pagan rituals. Pagans knew what they were doing. If you read about um, um. Uh, crazy horse, for, for example, and in, in the, in the uh, mid mid to late 1800s, and the rituals that were going on around um, uh, 
um, gosh, Sundance, the Sundance. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not talking about the film festival. I'm talking about <laughs> the Native American rituals around the Sundance. The Sundance put people into a trance state. They could literally stay in this trance state for two or three days. Wow. They could be put into amazingly torturous things. Um, you've seen you've seen movies probably of it, of men getting their skin pierced in dozens and dozens of places and even hung up with rope and hung hung that way. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. The and they do this voluntarily. That, that because pain pain can be transferred into or or and somehow the the uh, trance state can allow for an incredible amount of pain endurance. And of course, the men, Crazy Horse himself, went through this process at one point in time, and uh, this this allowed them to show that they were worthy and ready to go into battle and to fight other tribes or fight the white men in this case. Well, Doctor Ray, do do you need do you need two things to happen at the same time? Do you need someone who speaks in that cadence, and then do you also need the emotional transfer or frenzy that occurs when people become emotional and their neighbors feel that same vibration? Is it is it necessary for both of those things to happen? Well, it's a social contagion. I think that's what social contagion. There you go. It's like it's like it spreads. And while there was no preacher there in front of the in front of Crazy Horse or the Lakota tribe, they were dancing, and they would dance and dance and dance for hours, even dance for days without sleep. Sleep deprivation is another really good way to mm. put somebody into an altered state of consciousness. And of course, we know that for centuries, monks have done that. You know, going without sleep for days, and then they would have a vision and find God and all that sort of stuff. Um, People like Sister Teresa and all. If you, if you, um, I'm sorry, Ms. Mother Teresa. If you look just at the history of religious ritual indoctrination, you will find a lot of sleep deprivation and uh, starvation. Fasting. Fasting is really important in putting people into altered states of consciousness. If you read the history of monks and uh, hermits and recluses back in the 400s, 500s, 600s, you'll see that uh, sleep deprivation and starvation were uh, ways to get the... What happens is the brain, in its desperation to get nutrients, starts doing strange things. And those strange things lead to connections in the brain that probably don't normally happen because the brain's just trying to get nutrients. And and then, of course, when you come out of that trance, you take some water, when you take some food, you then report to your all your peers around you, wow, I had this amazing vision of what, you know, what God wants me to do or what the spirit world wants me to do if you're in, in the Lakota Indian tribes. Now, so, so I, the reason I'm telling you all this is because all these techniques have been used throughout history to put people into altered states of consciousness so that, that the powers that be within a given religion or cult can then infect you with notions about the afterlife, about demons in this life, about other ways of thinking about the world that have nothing to do with reality. And then once they've got you infected, it's really, really hard to get that out of people's minds. 
For example, fear of hell. Charles Wesley, I mean, John Wesley could get you scared shitless of going to hell. Mm-hmm. Now, once you've got that fear in you, you've been hypnotized. And see, during, during hypnosis, you can, create, you can create panic, you can create fear, you can create joy, you can create a euphoria. The, the person that's leading the, the induction, so to speak, can create a lot of different emotional states. Not unlike what you might experience if you were on uh, LSD or mushrooms or something like that. You, you could experience things, but, but the person is guiding you in this case. And maybe they've, maybe they've made you go without food for three days or dance for three days or whatever. By the end of that, you are pretty receptive to almost any message. Now, in, in the late um, 1800s and 1890s, there was an entire movement in North American Indians called the Ghost Dance. And the Ghost Dance was a f- one final religiously motivated effort to overthrow the oppressive, the oppressors, white, white culture. And, and these Ghost Dances would go on for days. The people would receive their visions. And one of the things they were convinced of was, as a result of their devotion to whatever the spiritual world was, and their ancestors, or what, you know, whatever that was, they were now invincible to bullets. So you can imagine how that ended mm. uh, against U.S. Wow. soldiers with literally with Gatling guns, what we now know as machine guns. And so the the, re, the rebellious uh, tribes on the on the reservation would go out and fight, and of course they would die. But they went into this thinking they were immune to bullets. No fear. Somebody, somebody gave them that. Through hypnotic transinduction, normal people don't think they're immune to bullets. Yes. Wow. That's uh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Is this what you wanted right. to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I'm 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 shocked to see this. So so, am I correct to if I was to uh, put this in a summary? Am I correct to say that um, they're using rhythm in a communal setting? To evoke an emotional reaction, which kind of builds a um, not a, an addiction, but sort of right that that tells your brain this is why people are hooked on to the church and hooked on to community uh, in the church because of the the emotional attachment they have to that hypnotiz- uh, hypnotism, I guess. Right. Uh, it's it's actually a sequence. Um, I write about the sequence in uh, in my book, The God Virus. It, it's it's, I won't say it's sophisticated, but it is brilliant. If you, if you put, when, when I was being taught hypnosis, we were, we were um, of course, we were doing it to try and help people heal or, or, you know, get new ways of thinking about their, excuse me, uh, about their lives and stuff. We weren't there to put insidious ideas in their brain. Um, and and when I'm when I was taught when I was going through training that we would spend a session or two or three just trying to understand what is it that that the patient the client wants to do where do they want to go how do we help them get over their addiction for example uh, I when when I was trying to write my um, second book I, I've actually written four books but most people your listeners don't know about the first two because they were written about organizational psychology. And uh, you're not too interested in that, probably, if you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I knew I'd written the first book. It was a bestseller, uh, teaming up with McGraw-Hill published the book. And I knew that I could write a second book about this topic with a, you know, a wider audience. And I just couldn't get over my writer's block. I knew I had a book. So I went to my therapist, who I was also a very good hypnotist, and I told her, here's what I want to do. She spent a couple sessions outlining in very great detail what, what I was trying to accomplish. And then we did a couple of hypnotic sessions together. I went home, and I wrote the book. Six months later, it was at the publishers. Wow. I mean, record done, kind of. When I start writing books, they get written really fast. But it may take me five years to get ready to write one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of where it was here. So I'm just telling you, that's the power of a really good, a well-trained hypnotist tries to understand what the client wants to do and then uses hypnotism or an altered state to help them get through their blocks, mm -hmm. when that block may be quitting smoking or writing a book. It doesn't matter. Well, the minister doesn't do that. They don't really give a shit what you want. What they're doing is taking, putting you to an altered state of consciousness to convince you to do what they want. Yeah. Now, it's very, that is very difficult to do. People don't usually change their minds about important stuff unless there's something else going on there. So if... What Charles Wesley would do was he would get people in a frenzy about the fires of hell, fear of hell. So if I can put you in an altered state of consciousness and I can make you convinced that the fires of hell are lapping at your feet as we speak right now, you're going to have a visceral brain response that goes through your amygdala and, and just kind of puts fire waves throughout your whole brain that says, we are in imminent danger. Now, that's the way the brain is responding to the imagery. And now I can put into your head, unless you come forward and confess your sins and take Jesus as your Savior, you are going to hell. Yes. Yeah. So, but now, here, that, but the sequence is really, really important. You've got to get people super, super afraid. You've got to get them in that total fear Flames are licking at your feet right now, and they can literally feel the, the heat from the flames, so to, so to speak. They go forward. The minister puts his hand on their head. Do you take Jesus for your Savior? And, oh, yes, 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 I do. What happens next? They ask for money? <laughs> well, they're going to do that yeah, shortly. But what happens immediately after they have... Oh. Gotten their blessing, their forgiveness from the priest or the minister. They have euphoria. They're, they're relieved. Yeah, they're relieved. Exactly, they exactly. It is euphoria. They are relieved from the fires of hell. They no longer feel the heat. And this oxytocin or dopamine or, you know, some kind of chemical just floods the brain. And they feel this amazing, wow, it is better than an orgasm. Um not sure about that obviously but <laughs> sounds good on the radio though but if you look if you just look and um, if you can see it in movies or if you i mean in uh, documentaries or something or on tv look at how these people are responding it looks like they're having an orgasm it really does so you get that kind of relief you want to come back for that relief because you're going to go home and in a few days you're going to start remembering the devil's watching you. 
Jesus says, may not forgive you if you do this or that. Of course, you're going to masturbate, and then you're going to feel guilty, and or you're going to have sex with somebody you shouldn't have sex with. Now you got to go back, and you you crave you crave that emotional release of forgiveness. Mm. Well, having it was having, all created by that sequence I just yeah. described. Having been to a number of Pentecostal meetings and evangelistic meetings, I I can really relate to how powerful that kind of message is. You can feel you, there's a palpable feeling of what's happening to those around you who are being affected. It's it's like a shockwave uh, going through, and it it's an interesting experience because I began to feel some of that excitement, and I realized it was false, and my, my brain and my emotions were playing tricks on me so I could pull myself back. But to be right in the in the belly of the beast uh, and and feel it i can I can certainly understand um, you know how how it happens and how vulnerable people are to go through that experience over and over yep that's exactly right you, well that's a great experiment to do a committed atheist goes to a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church or whatever and even you are susceptible to mm. that kind of programming. Oh, absolutely. The excitement that other people are feeling and then as they begin to break down and especially in the Pentecostal meetings as they begin to to talk in tongues and raise their arms toward the ceiling, Um, that social contagion that you were speaking about is all around you. And it it really is interesting, you know, when you say, well, this isn't cool, I'm not going to feel this, I'm immune, and you find yourself getting into it a, a little bit it's a it's a it's a it is it's a lesson you know that uh, that i think is valuable for all of us to understand that that exact incident is what drove me from ever going to church again hmm. i think you, oh. you can also uh take a look at the when, when the october comes around and you have halloween they have those uh in the state it's not something we see here in canada yet but, but in the states they have hell houses yes and that's exactly what oh, the yeah. doctor the Ray is describing yeah, right now. Yeah, here, yeah. You just scare the kids, pardon yeah. my French, you just scare them shitless, and yep. then have a, right. a call to alter, right? Yeah. That angers me. That really angers me. That, yeah, yeah, it's a form of child abuse. I, absolutely. Well, when, I, when, I saw it, when I saw it, it scared the hell out of me because I was sitting in a pew on a, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Dr. Ray, uh, uh, the Alpha Course. Oh yes, yes, yes I, yes. I was I was in the Alpha Course when I was in my twenties, uh-huh. and uh, I. You might want to describe what the Alpha Course. The Alpha is Course is for yeah. young young <laughs> Christian men. Okay. Uh, I'm not even sure how to explain it now, but uh, so I was sitting listening to this non-denominational uh, minister up front, and there was there was a group of people in in this church, and they started with the talking in tongues bit. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, everyone's up at the front of the church and they're writhing and their arms are above their heads and they're starting to <laughs> Google and, and talk and lay on the floor. And I looked at a guy beside me in the pew and I said, we were the only ones still sitting there. And I went, uh, do you smoke? He says, yeah. I said, let's go out for a smoke. I didn't smoke, but that was it. We didn't go back in. We were done, right? That was... <laughs> well, Do- Dr. Reed, now that we know how this actually works... Um Maybe our audience would like to also know, how do you pull somebody out of it? Or can well, you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a tough question, yeah. Kevin. That's a real tough question. 
let me let me just back up here. I just want to tell one more story. I was in um, about 2011, I think. I was at the American Atheist Convention. I was giving a talk there on uh, on my book, The God Virus. But one of the other speakers was uh, Dr. Andy Thompson, who wrote a good little book, little tiny book, and probably not 100 pages, called Why We Believe in Gods. A really well, really good book. I recommend it. Um, second best book ever written on the subject, by the way. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to guess what the first book, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> Voice for Daryl. Uh, Dr. Dr. Thompson has really uh, got a nice, uh, a good angle on it. Different angle than what I took in the God virus. But he's up there talking and giving his, his talk to six. There were 600 atheists. Now, this is American Atheist Convention, right? 600 people in there. And he says, well, let, let me just demonstrate how this works. And he starts getting us to, he has everybody lock arms. So we just put our arms through each other's arms. He said, now we're going to sing a song. And he starts singing Amazing Grace. He said, we just rock to the sound of this. He gave us several other instructions. I'm, I'm not going to go into great detail. But the, the instructions were to help you get a feel for the Im- emotional impact of this. Now, you've got 600 atheists singing Amazing Grace, locking arms and rocking. I'm telling you, after about two minutes of that, we were feeling the spirit. <laughs> it was really weird. All of us. Every, I dare say every person in that room knew what was going on. Nobody was being fooled by it. And yet, we felt it. He, uh, he had us... Well, I, I don't want to go through the details. It's not really relevant here tonight, but... Um, so if you can get even atheists, that tells you how powerful these techniques are. That's just what I'm trying Scary. to Scary. No, I was, I was just going to ask, is this why a lot of people will say that since this is an emotional response, a lot of atheists will say you can't reason somebody out of an emotional response? Right, exactly, yeah. Well, I think there's, there's several components to this, and I, I don't think there's an easy answer to your question. I do think that a large segment of the population, probably 30% of the population, are very susceptible to these kinds of rituals and um, are, are more easily inducted into altered states of consciousness, maybe even higher. It could be as high as 50%. So when you think about it, some people just get addicted to that stuff. They get hooked on it and they need their weekly fix. Logic has absolutely nothing to do with it. When I go to church, the end of church, I feel good. I feel the spirit. I feel God is in my heart. Well, where's the logic there? You don't need logic. You went home feeling good. You took, you you went home and, you know, you came home from work. You took a drink of, uh, took a feeling a drink of beer and you mm-hmm. felt good. Mm-hmm. It's it's that feeling good that people are after. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you, you don't get people out of that very easily. Well, okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Doctor, for, for that yep. very uh, educational uh, lesson on the hypnotism in church. But we also promise that we give you a little bit of time to talk about uh, recovery from religion. So okay. Give great. us the news, Doc. Thanks. Well, we are announcing just this uh, week, literally June 1st, that we have expanded our hotline and helpline we're now calling it the helpline because it includes a lot of other stuff. 
And we are expanding that dramatically so that we are more capable of, of, of serving more people. If they want to call in or they want to chat in with us, we have much far more trained volunteers than we've had in the past. We've got more hours of operation. So if, if you're a person dealing with recovering from religion issues, you can call us. You can chat in with us. We can, and we've got hundreds of resources we can refer you to. We can help you find a group locally. It's just lots of lots of things going on. It's we, we've been in this business. I started recovering from religion in 2009, and we have grown dramatically. And this last year, we upgraded our software, our online presence, a lot of the stuff that we're able to do in our training. So we're um, we're really able to help a lot more people. No, no. The whole we've also got other resources like our podcast, that Recovered Religion podcast. That's got story after story after story of people leaving religion, as well as some cool interviews with with people like Dale McGowan or, or David McAfee and people like that. And uh, and we've got a a blog that talks about how do you recover and has lots and lots of stories on that too. But we can come back and talk about that more extensively at another time. Absolutely. Like. I, I certainly want to. Uh, uh, but uh, I was wondering, is your uh, hotline, um, is it just U.S.-centric or is, is this reach all over Canada as well? Well, that was the interesting thing. It used to be U.S.-centric. Oh. That we're trying to get away from that. So we have opened it up. Right now, you could chat from anywhere on the planet with our volunteers. Fantastic. We are actually getting a, a, a far too many chats from the Middle East. Oh, I'm That's sure. That's kind of interesting. Chats from the Middle East. Wow. Ex-Muslims who have no one to talk to, and we're the only people. Must so, be hard to find like to say, people that can actually... Like say there's lots of uh, uh, groups that will get you into religion. We're one of the only ones that will help you get out. Must be hard to find some people that can actually uh, converse with these... Uh, Middle Eastern, uh, I mean, the, the U.S. and Canada is not full of of uh, ex-Muslims, right. I would say. If, if, if a listener is an ex-Muslim and you want to help us talk to other people trying to leave Islam, get in touch. Go to the recoveringfromreligion.org website, click the volunteer button, and we'll help you do the rest. Recoveryfromreligion.org. Right, recoveryfromreligion.org. And if you're looking for help, you can chat in with us or you can call our our phone line, 184-I-DOUBT-IT. 184-I-DOUBT-IT. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> I doubt it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Ray. It's always a pleasure having you on board. And oh, uh, if people pleasure. want to reach you, where can they find you? Besides they can find me on Twitter at Dr. DRay132. They can find me on Facebook, although I'm about... I'm at my 5,000 friend limit, so they can follow me on Facebook, and they'll see a lot of my stuff on, on Facebook. Fantastic. Uh, Nat, Godvirus.net is, is another place to look, look me up. Sure, you come. You haven't even left us, and I'm already looking forward to your coming back. That, that's how that's how popular you are with us. We love you, Doctor Ray. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me on today, Doctor Ray. For before all you guys are doing too, you're you're helping the world. I like that. I'm we're right. trying in our little way. We're trying, Doctor yeah. Ray. Before I let you go, can I get you to say hi? I'm Doctor Del Ray, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm Doctor Ray, and I took a left at the valley. 
And that was Dr. Del Rey. Oh, that was fascinating, was what that was. Our favorite was psychologist. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love the man. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's such a hoot. He's such a hoot. And of course, he's one of the high priests of the fly, Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Is he really? <laughs> he is. Oh, wow. He absolutely. He's such a hoot. I just love, every time Daryl's down here, I just have a blast with him. He's fantastic. A lot of good lessons here today. Yeah. A lot of good information. Absolutely. Good information. I mean, we're vulnerable to a lot of things that are in our unconscious and our subconscious that we never realize until all of a sudden we're hit with the double whammy of it. So it's good to know the techniques behind it. Now I just want to go to a, a Pentecostal meeting now and just <laughs> take some notes. Oh, <laughs> no, we should do that experiment. Scary. Yeah, it's you really. Scary. I know, but it'd be scary, but I would just laugh my head off so I might not come out of there alive. <laughs> well, I don't know how, I, I don't know whether you get out of there. Bloody, uh, bloodied and without being bruised. bloodied and bruised, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a yeah. big guy. I can take care of Psyche, myself. Your psyche might be damaged too. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you guys might have to join me and show me some oh, support. Man. In this. Well, it's a, it's I a, a show in itself. It's we a wear fascinating. Col- we can wear experience. colanders. We'll wear colanders <laughs> and just say that we're, we're representatives from <laughs> an interfaith meeting. Well, it's, an, it's, entire, it's entirely different than watching a televangelist on television when you're in that audience with a, one of the world-renowned yes. uh, televangelists. It's, it really is. It's an experience. It's a roller coaster. Fantastic. It really is. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. You can follow us on leftofvalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. Send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Coming up, we'll have Jerry DeWitt, speaking of hypnotism in church. Jerry DeWitt, the first man who actually went through the clergy project. He was a pastor, and now he's a secular. We'll have him. And our our friend Eli Bosnick will come back, and he has a surprise for us. We're working on this. This should be great. And we'll also be doing somewhere our top ten of best moments of this day in history. Wow. I'm looking forward. Oh, wait a minute. I do that. (laughs) You better have it ready. (laughs) Wait a minute. It sounded so good until I realized. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Until next time. isn't real, but Jesus is, or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them, I think the reason is apparent, you do what you're told, and believe in the God assigned by your parents, I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith, and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist, Take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them The system is broke down, working backwards And the only action or tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands 
Thousands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers in their all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet. You're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. Call it faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Atheist, atheist I'm an Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.